0: The Spirit of Self-Love podcast reminds us that we are all miraculous beings with purpose and can help humanity elevate and evolve
1: by returning within. Do you remember who you really are? Today's feature on Spirit of Self-Love podcast is Marley Jameson. Marley is an intuitive business coach who helps entrepreneurs up-level into a soul-aligned, profitable, and joyful business. Through energy work, Mindset shifts, healing deep personal traumas, holistic therapies, and following her soul purpose. Today, she specializes in helping people release societal conditioning, stagnant energy, limiting beliefs, and unresolved traumas that have been holding them back in life and career so that they can own their empowerment and live a truly soul aligned, magical life. Our episode begins. Right after we share ceremonial cacao together, and in this episode, we talk about the importance of releasing codependent relationships to embrace true empowerment. Our conversation about honoring our spiritual journey begins now. So what I felt in that was this very strong sense of connectedness and the very deep awareness of ways that I have been, like, blocking my heart. Yeah, Ceremonial Cacao is a
0: really brilliant heart opener, and I find that she helps with authentic self-expression through the heart. And also, she works with a lot of sacral energy as well, and she's a really beautiful, sacred plant spirit that you can commune with. I noticed a shift in you, you know, slightly more grounded and open. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how quickly it can shift. And we just had a micro dose of ceremonial cacao. The company that I get my ceremonial cacao from, it's called Firefly Cacao. And on Instagram, it's ceremonial cacao. So what they do that's pretty unique to them is they create the ceremonial cacao. They prepare it in that wafer form. So these little circular discs so that it's a lot easier to dose for yourself. Whereas many other cacao makers, they um, they give you more blocks of cacao and then it can be harder to prepare and to dose for yourself. And they ethically source all of their cacao from family farms and they really have a genuine relationship with all of the cacao farmers that they source from. And then they pour so much love into their preparation of ceremonial cacao. So I always, always, always recommend people to purchase their ceremonial cacao from
1: them. Where are they based, do you know?
0: Yeah, they're in Northern California. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they source cacao from all sorts of places. What we had today was from Guatemala, but they also source from Belize, Tanzania, Ecuador. I think those are the places that they are sourcing from currently. So ceremonial cacao is different than the cacao you'll find in grocery stores or in chocolate because it's it's not been heated to the point of essentially rendering the medicine of the plant, which I don't mean in the Western medical way, but I mean in the spiritual Uh way. Uh Um, When you heat cacao up and overly process it, it loses its extra medicinal properties in the sense of herbal medicinal properties. And so, the spirit of cacao is really lost there. And I think it's okay, it's totally fine to consume chocolate and other forms of cacao, Mm -hmm. maybe source it mindfully. You know, not everything has to be in ceremony necessarily, but Ceremonial cacao has the spirit of cacao, and when you make it in drink form, you're mindful to not heat it past the point where it will render the medicinal properties, which are heat-sensitive as well, the biochemical properties, essentially inert. Cacao has been used, collaborated with, really resourced for thousands of years since you know, the ancient Mayans would collaborate with her. And then, oh goodness, white settler colonizer people came in and took something really beautiful and really took the spirit out of the process and out of what they were working with and really industrialized it. We've become more out of touch of the true nature of cacao We have highly processed chocolate with lots of added sugar and milk and whatnot. I think people, they still feel a bit of the magic of cacao. That's why we love chocolate and cacao is very grounding. We could use a lot of grounding. It was said that cacao would make a reemergence when humanity was ready to open their hearts again more Oh, and I'm getting such chills as I say this and I think more people are ready to open their hearts more and they're wishing to understand collaborations to help them do that. Plant medicine in general, I was thinking about this the other day, it's like If you're having sex, (laughs) just bear with me. (laughs) You know, it's not really fun or fair to you or your partner if you're just like laying there passive, like, (laughs) do it to me. That's not going to be the most fulfilling sex that you have, at least partnered sex, right? Yes. At least in United States society and many other societies of You know, based on colonization and whatnot, the colonizer societies have developed this idea of being passive. So, we want to take a pill and we want the pill to do everything and we don't want to be a collaborator in our wellness experience or we'd rather go to a teacher and have the teacher do the heavy lifting for our spiritual growth rather than sitting there crying on the floor processing the deep fears that we need to process and let go of yes with plant collaborators it's the same way whether you're working with herbals or essential oils or hydrosols or cacao ceremonial cacao or other forms of plant medicine It's important for you to step up as a collaborator and to set a clear intention with the plant and to connect with the plant and be an active participant rather than expecting the plant to just do it all for you. And then you're not going to have the experience that you could have with that. It won't be nearly as opening or fulfilling.
1: That's interesting what you just said of a willingness to make a collaborative effort with the medicine that you are ingesting and experiencing instead of being a passenger to it.
0: Absolutely. And this approach applies to even more philosophical things, you know, spiritual concepts and personal development concepts. You have to be an active participant and I was reflecting on this earlier today, I feel like we're almost being trained to be passive participants through social media where it's like scroll, 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 scroll. You're constantly ingesting other people's thoughts, but maybe not responding as much as you used to. It's just like overstimulation and under participation. And we're almost being conditioned to just observe and not do very much. hmm Not even have the conversation or pause to really digest the thought that we just came across.
1: Yeah, to be more mindful and collaborative with the information and the messages that we are receiving. You know, everyone
0: is... Intuitive, everyone has that capacity, but usually people just want someone to do it for them. And yeah. so then they search for a psychic to give them all the answers. And that's honestly a very disempowered way of going about it. Now, of course, have I done this before? Yes, I have. <laughs> and I have craved it before. I have wished for someone to give me all the answers. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually helpful. You can do it for yourself and you can feel into it for yourself. Of course, receiving extra guidance on the outside is often very helpful to have a different perspective or to have things reflected back toward you and have space held for you is invaluable. I was having space held for me this morning after a really intense dream, and that was really helpful. But it's important that you are an active participant in your life. And not just expecting everyone or everything to do it for you, but rather to put your power back in yourself and realize, okay, I can do this. I'm much more powerful than I realize. And I can trust my intuition, maybe
1: a little more than I did yesterday. How did you go from being mentored from other spiritual individuals in your life to then taking your own initiative and tapping into your deep knowing? That's a really brilliant question. I would say I'm
0: continually receiving guidance from other people or resources. And I've always been a little bit of a self-starter as well. And that's just part of my personality. When I started, I was very determined to learn and understand and just get as much information as I can. And I feel like I'm still that way. The intuitive self-love journey Mm -hmm. is often a process of letting go of codependency. And so I definitely was very codependent for quite some time in my life and I was in abusive relationships and whatnot. I mean, it's just, you know, I feel like it's so common and then people who are drawn to me often have those experiences as well of supreme like power giving away and feeling unworthy and feeling like it's not safe to have our needs met it's not safe to insist that we don't put everyone else first but when you start doing that more and more if you can do that in your relationships then you can also do it with your intuition and your personal power in other arenas of your life So for anyone who's on the recovery journey from codependency or various abusive situations, you might find that your intuitive journey and or your self-love journey, and I kind of group them together, Mm -hmm. mirrors your journey through codependency
1: and whatnot. Yes. Codependency. What are some ways that codependency can manifest in one's life? Or maybe... Some personal examples.
0: I feel like people often point to relationships with other people as codependency. So I definitely was codependent with my father and various romantic and friendship people in my life at different times. That was really hard to get through. It's really excruciating to detach from that and then to decide to not be that way anymore because you've, you've been trained to be so reliant on that other person for your needs and your sense of Mm self-worth. I think less often discussed is the codependency, as we were sort of saying, like on intuitives or psychics or mentors to have them fulfill things in us that we should really be mostly fulfilling ourselves. You can be codependent with anything. You can be codependent with needing your bank account to have a certain amount of money in it in order to feel okay. And of course, I know there are logistical things that have to happen in our capitalistic society, Mm -hmm. but so often people make it into a codependent issue of, oh, my self-worth is only there if I have a certain amount of money in my bank account. Mm. The interesting thing is most people don't define that as a specific number. They just perpetually feel like they don't have enough Mm -hmm. and that they therefore are not enough. And then even if they have great success in their life and their career, they'll still feel like they're not enough because they're operating on this failure mentality for themselves.
1: Self-worth and codependency, feeling not good enough. These are all very much tied into self-love journey, spiritual awakening journey. What are some ways on your path, you've found that you've had to make these leaps from, oh, I'm being codependent here. What is this showing me? And how do I change this? I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Just a few quick things. Review, share, and subscribe wherever you're listening now. You can follow us on Instagram at Spirit of Self Love. To learn more, visit spiritofselflove.substack.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the episode.
0: You know, I would say I'm still definitely in process with a lot of these things. People think that there's an end point where it's like, ah, I 100% (laughs) understand and accept myself. (laughs) (laughs) Realistically, in the human experience, we're just in constant dynamic ebb and flow so it's like, oh, you have that trauma, you have that pattern, you resolve as much as you can at that time, you go on, you up-level, and it smacks you in the face again. You know, that's what happened to me last night with my dream. I was like, I thought I was done with this. <laughs> but it's really more like the scene from Shrek, where Shrek is like, ogres are like onions. Yeah, <laughs> They have layers, and so do we. Yes. We have layers. So just to even frame my response as like, this is a layered journey, a cyclical journey, more like a spiral that is not going to be a linear progression. As you experience more, you'll understand how to care for yourself better and how to shift through it more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So you won't have to feel like you're suppressing yourself or oppressing yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a funky dream about something like a very deep familial trauma. And in the past, it would have taken me a few days or a week or weeks to really shift out of the stuck energy. But because I'm so devoted on my self-care routine and I've just been around the block so many times, I know how to handle myself when I wake up with that fear, that very visceral fear in my body and my chest, in my throat, where it's like, oh, I don't know if it's safe to exist here. <laughs> it's been pointed out to me, and I've had this realization where it's like, okay, I wasn't really like future projecting. It's just that I'm clearing things from my subconscious okay, I'm clearing that fear. I'm not future projecting necessarily. I'm not future predicting. It's like, nope, this is the aspect of me that feels separate and vulnerable. Let's call that back in right now. One thing that I experience is the familial and collective level trauma over the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So some of my family experienced the Holocaust or was able to escape it. And as a spiritual woman of that lineage, gosh darn it, does it feel vulnerable to put myself out there. I've been aware of this familial trauma consciously since probably age eight, although I didn't have the courage to ask my family directly about it until about 18 or later. It was sort of like something unspoken in our family or not spoken of frequently, but this very visceral fear of, whoa, is it safe? Are people going to attack me? And I feel like even if you've not experienced Holocaust trauma in your family, that's a very human fear to have. Is it safe to be me? If you're on your self-love journey, that's probably a big question that you're asking yourself is, is it safe to be here as I am? And How much of me can I be and still be safe and still be accepted and still have a community and a life that I like? A lot of people think that they need to suppress or oppress various parts of themselves in order to have that safety or that life. But more and more people are realizing that that's not a sustainable way to go about it. You know, I had a chronic mystery illness for about nine years of my life. That was before I was spiritual. At least most of it was before I was spiritual. I remember when I was in college, I had my chronic mystery illness, which included chronic depression. I mean, I've been through like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I've learned a lot and I have deep empathy for, for people who experience those things or something similar. I remember I was so, 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 so depressed. I just, I couldn't find my way out of it. I had been depressed since age 15 or 16, so I didn't really know myself outside of depression, which was depressing just to think about. And I was considering going back on antidepressants, which I had been off of for a few years, but it just got to the point where I was processing really, really, really deep trauma, and I just had trouble functioning I wasn't into the holistic realm yet. I was pre-med, biology major. So I just wanted something to help me get through the day. So I was about to go back on antidepressants. And I told one of my closest friends at the time, and I'll never forget, you know, she just looked at me and she said, do you consider yourself depressed? And I realized I had hidden my depression from her so well. That she didn't even know that I was depressed. And that was so isolating to feel. That I had done such a good job of putting on a happy enough face that she didn't know what was going on in me. We see people tear each other down all the time. So it feels very vulnerable. In addition to that, we are so often afraid of our power. If you get a glimpse of your power before you feel ready for it, you might just run the other way. <laughs> yes. Because it's, it's too much to handle. And that's why we have incremental layered experiences. Ta-da! That's why it's <laughs> all cyclical. Exactly. You're ready for what you're ready for when you're ready for it.
1: Yes. How does that integrate? With being a mentor and being a coach. Earlier we talked about how it's easy to become codependent on spiritual guides, gurus, intuitives.
0: The way that I go about it is really holding space for the person to have their experience and process their fears. You know, so often people have been feeling like or, or have been trained in a way perhaps through abusive situations to deny their feelings and for it to not be safe for them to have anything other than a positive experience. And even the spiritual personal growth community can be this way where it's like high vibes, positive vibes only. And it's like, wow, you are denying like half of your experience right there. (laughs) You know, we're meant to ebb and flow. Doesn't mean you have to be destructive about it or only negative and tear yourself down, but there will be moments of the ebb. So, I invite people to have their full-spectrum human experience, and if I notice patterns arising in them that I wonder if might be limiting them, I ask them about it, or I point it out to them in a loving way. A common thing for my clients to do is to pretty much ask my permission before they do anything in their business, because I'm a business coach. So, you know, it's like, oh, do you think I should do this? Do you think this is a good idea? And of course, I've felt like that plenty of times, wanting to know if my idea is a good idea, if it's going to be viable, if it's going to have some aspect of the results I'm desiring. It's so helpful to have outside feedback. But what I'll most often do is respond with, well, what do you think? Mm. And reflect it back at them and invite them to feel into it for themselves. So it's a process of learning to trust yourself and to even just awaken your guidance. And sometimes, you know, for some people, that means tuning into their abdomen and seeing what's your gut reaction here? Mm -hmm. Is it a yes or is it a no? Or like, how does it feel in your heart and your throat? You know, if you feel afraid, is it because it's a no, or is it because it's like, whoa, you're being asked to grow here? So I help people to discern what that looks like for themselves and to get in the habit of seeking their bottom line decision making from themselves. And of course, it's great to have external reflections from a trusted individual, such as myself or someone else. But at the end of the day, it's really important that you are tuning into your own truth.
1: And I feel that we all are intuitive and psychic, but we might process the information differently. We receive messages in like, unique Ways some are clear audience or clairvoyance, claircognizance, clairsentience. You know, seeing energy, hearing it, feeling it, or just the messages kind of like pop up into the mind like a thought. For you, is it more of like also mentoring and coaching the people that you're working with to feel empowered in how they're receiving their messages too?
0: and I love how you articulated all of that because we we are all intuitive and we'll perceive it or receive it differently so you know there are some individuals that will be primarily visual and a way to kind of guess how you're intuitive is to understand your learning style are you a kinesthetic learner are you an audio learner (laughs) I'm a little bit of everything so guess what I'm also a little bit of everything when it comes to intuition. <laughs> so I can relate to all of the clairs, which is cool because then I can provide that guidance for people. But I always, always, always encourage people to tune into it for themselves and develop their own reference points because spirit is going to use your personal reference points to give you information. So, You know, if you're asking me what a rocking chair means, it's like, well, I have my own connotations of a rocking chair in my life. What does it mean to you? Oh, your nana used to sit in one? Well, you know, dig deeper. What does that mean? What's there for you? People are or can be afraid of their own power. Mm -hmm. You can have this vision of yourself in the future and it can totally terrify you. That doesn't mean that it's coming from a place of ego or badness however you conceptualize that but it it might just mean oh you're having some resistance to that next level of you or that future level Mm. and you're not really ready to step into it when you are in the energy of potential energy of intuition and the energy of your highest self you will very quickly feel what does not resonate in that way. Mm. So your fears can become more amplified. And then people can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something wrong. What's going on? Spiraling out of control. Marley, what did we do here? And it's like, whoa. Okay, your fears are just not in resonance with this next level of who you are. Mm. And that's why they're all smacking you in the face right now.
1: Awaking and strengthening our intuitive abilities, there is also this level of discernment that we are talking about of, is this fear-based? Is this resistance? So for that discernment to arrive, is that something that is best developed with a mentor? That's a really
0: great question. And I would say it's going to vary from person to person that's probably going to be my response for most things. <laughs> it is my re- response for most things. <laughs> I have found it absolutely invaluable to work closely with a mentor, whether it's a business coach or an intuitive or a friend even. You know, you can be guides for each other. I've found it absolutely invaluable because of the different perspective offered. And so the other person is not emotionally identified with my experience the way that I am. And they've had a different life experience and they have their own way of connecting with intuition. And so it can show a deeper perspective. And in addition to that, there's something so beautiful about being witnessed and held in love. So when I had my difficult dream, I woke up from my difficult dream this morning Incidentally for me, kundalini yoga just helps me transmute the physical fear energy out of my body really well. So I recommend that for people. But then after I was in process with letting go of that fear, I reached out to my coaches. And I said, you know, most of all, I would I would like to be witnessed and I would like to receive your perspective on this. You know, the brilliant thing is when you share your authentic experience People share theirs and you realize we're not alone in this at all. (laughs) You help each other. So, you know, I imagine my coaches learned something from me today just as I learned from them. And you develop this beautiful bond with another person that reinforces the idea
1: that you are not alone and you are not separate. You can learn more about Marley on our website, MarleyJameson.com. And you can find her on Instagram at Marley Jamison. We hope you enjoyed being a part of the first half of our conversation. Be sure to listen to part two with Marley Jamison, where she speaks more about her coaching practices, healing parallel lives, and more of her spiritual perspective. Thank you for listening today. You are loved so profoundly. Thank you for being here at this time to assist in the evolution of humanity. Thank you for being a leader of the self love movement. Remember who you really are. Love always and I'll meet you at the next one.